And uh, Marlon and Sharice are just two of the many people whose lives have been deeply impacted by the experience of Rooted. And uh, this week, actually, I was in a meeting where a person was sharing kind of their spiritual story, and it was Rooted that they pointed to as the thing that really got them connected and walking with Jesus in, in a deep way. And uh, we, that's really our hope for everyone, that we would walk deeply as disciples of Jesus. And so Rooted is a great way to get connected to uh, a group here at Faith. Rooted really will help you connect to God. It will help you connect to, to, to a group of people, and, and that's so necessary. It'll help connect you to your, your purpose in life. And so Rooted is a 10-week experience, and uh, our hope, though, is as you have that rooted experience with a group, that that group, just like Marlon and Sharice, it will continue as a life group. And so uh, rooted starts a week from Tuesday, so now is the time to sign up. I also wanted to just mention, Jennifer talked about all the group options, and, you know, we sang this song, You Will Never Walk Alone, and uh, the reality is so much of the way that God shows up in our lives and, and how he walks with us is through a community of spiritual friends. And, and that, you know, we get wisdom, we get support, we get encouragement by others in the body of Christ. And so if our only experience of, of spiritual things is a Sunday morning experience, as good as this can be, we're deeply missing a whole lot of God's wisdom and grace and blessings that he wants to pour out in our lives through the body of Christ. And so we hope that you'll take some time and get connected to a group. Here's my encouragement to you. I know we're all busy and you hear this announcement and you think, oh yeah, I'm gonna check that out. And then you get into your week and you don't get to it. Uh, I would encourage you today at some point, sit down with that little insert and just you know think about Rooted, think about all the other options and today make a decision yeah, am I going to do one of these or not? But, but make a decision and uh, get signed up. And to get the, the full information of all the groups, make sure you go online to uh, get that. If you go to the, to the Church Center app, or if you go to the homepage of the website, there's a button that says Rooted. There's a button that says Groups. It will get you to all of that information. Well, today, uh, Steve's pe- preaching out of uh, Proverbs 1, 1 through 19. So I want to read this for us this morning. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge, and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us, and we will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. This is God's word. Thanks, Brian. 
Well, this is our question for today. Do you want to become wise? Just honestly, how would you answer that question? Do you want to become wise? I suspect that everybody in the room would say, well, of course I want to become wise. Everybody wants to become wise. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, actually, when I grow up, I want to be very, very foolish so I can make an absolute mess out of my life, right? Nobody says that, but it happens all the time. Becoming foolish is much, much easier than becoming wise. And, uh, and so uh, the good news is that God offers wisdom to anybody who really wants it. And you may have already made a mess of your life, and most of us do in one way or another at one time or another. That even if that's the case, God is so gracious, he offers wisdom to anybody who wants it. And you know whether or not somebody wants to become wise by whether or not they pursue it wholeheartedly. Becoming wise does not happen by accident. God gives wisdom to those who want it so badly that they seek it with all of their hearts. And so this morning we're begin, beginning an 11-week series. We're going to take a, a couple of breaks in there, but uh, a couple of weeks in different topics. But 11 weeks, this series we're calling Becoming Wise, A Matter of Life and Death. And we hope that these messages, first of all, motivate you, and secondly, equip you to seek wisdom wholeheartedly. Uh, toward that end, we're going to approach becoming wise in this way, three things I would mention. First of all, we're, we're going to devote six messages, the first six messages, to teaching about the primary books of wisdom in the Old Testament. Many other places teach wisdom, but it's found uh, in a concentrated way in, Pro in Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes, and the book of Job. And so we want, to, we want you to become conversant with the content of these books and the argument of these books so that you can return to them over and over again throughout the years. And so we'll spend four weeks in the book of Proverbs. Uh, so, of course, we're, we're going to hit some selected passages. We're going to give a one-week overview of the book of Job and one-week overview of the book of Ecclesiastes. If you've been here a long, long time, you may remember that in the mid-90s, I afflicted this church with 14 sermons from the book of Ecclesiastes. We, we call that the sermon series that almost killed the church. And so our gift to you is one-week overview of the book of Ecclesiastes in this series. So we'll look at the primary wisdom book. Second, we're going to devote three messages uh, to the lives of three different people who are known for their wisdom. That would be Joseph and Daniel and Solomon. And so seeing how wisdom is lived out or not lived out can be very instructive for us. And then third, the final two messages, we're going to explore wisdom in the New Testament. We're going to see that Jesus himself personified wisdom, and wisdom was pervasive in everything he taught. Wisdom is pervasive throughout the rest of the New Testament. But today we begin by, by uh, thinking about becoming wise through Proverbs. And Proverbs is, is basically seven collections of Proverbs. And at the beginning of each collection, we're told who wrote, who was the primary author of that series of Proverbs. And the first collection is chapters one through nine, and it's an extended introduction to the book of Proverbs. 
Most of the rest of the Proverbs are short, pithy sayings that are kind of freestanding, but in chapters one through nine, it's kind of like a narrative. It's, it's poetry, but it, it, it's, he's, he's making an, an argument. And much of it is a father pleading with his son to pursue wisdom. At other times, wisdom herself is pleading, will you come to me? Will you, will you, will you come to me and let me impart wisdom to you instead of foolishness? And so today we begin... We're going to look at the the verses Brian read, the first 19 verses of chapter 1. And since the book of Proverbs includes more Proverbs from Solomon than anybody else, not surprisingly, it begins this way. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. We'll talk about the entire, we'll talk about the life of Solomon when we do a message on him uh, several weeks from now. But we'll see that in response to his request, God gave him wisdom like nobody before him or after him ever had. 1 Kings 4.32 tells us that Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs and over 1,000 songs. And so this first collection is from Solomon. And in verses 2, 3, and 6, he lays out uh, his ambition for the book of Proverbs. And that's wisdom. And so we're going to see that the author has very high ambitions. He doesn't want to just give us knowledge or information. Uh, He wants to impart wisdom itself. And as we go through these verses, uh, it's very important that we notice what is required of us if we want to learn wisdom. As you know, many of you are teachers. Most of you have taught somebody, tried to teach somebody else something. And you understand that unless the person is teachable and eager to receive it, uh, it doesn't matter how articulate you are, it doesn't matter how much you, you, you press in, they have to want it. And so in verses two, 2 and 3, we see a, a cluster of terms related to wisdom, and there's a good amount of overlap in these terms. But we read this in verse, verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. It's interesting that wisdom and instruction are paired together five times in the book of Proverbs. And the connection seems to be that if you really want wisdom, you have to receive instruction. People are instructing, but you have to receive instruction if you want wisdom. If you want an experiential knowledge of wisdom, one that actually guides the way you live your life, you need to be teachable, you need to receive instruction. The second line of a proverb often, uh, often clarifies the first. It can be a restatement of the first. It can be a contrast with the first line. It can kind of elaborate the first line. But the second line of verse 2 clarifies that Proverbs wants us to understand words of insight. And so instead of walking around clueless, Uh, Proverbs wants to educate us so that we have this intuitive understanding and insight into what is right and what is true. And so Proverbs wants us to live skillfully. Let me give an example of this. There there are just hundreds of places we could go, but Proverbs 18.17 tells us this. And as we read this, ask, ask the question, How can this give me understanding? How could this proverb give me insight? It says this, the one who states his case first 
seems right until the other comes and examines him. And so that reminds us of a courtroom scene, right? And so the witness takes the stand, they're asked a few, they're lobbed a few softballs, they, they, they present their case, and, and you're thinking, this is a slam dunk. I mean, the verdict of this is obvious. And then comes the cross-examination, right? And after a few questions, like, I'm not so sure I understood the whole truth. And that's what happens in everyday life. One person tells you their side of the story, and uh, you think, okay, now I've got it. But when somebody else comes and tells the rest of the story, you realize, wow, I'm, I'm operating in the dark here. And so this can give us understanding how to listen to people when we interact with people. We don't assume you have the whole truth when one person speaks. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 tells us that wisdom isn't merely skillful living. It is that. We need to be skillful in listening, for example. But you can take what you've heard and you can use that, that information to manipulate people or to hurt people. And so verse 3 tells us that wisdom also instructs us in ethical living. We not only need to be skillful, we need to be ethical. Verse 3, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. In those three terms, righteousness, justice, and equity, they're, they're sometimes used interchangeably. And so they speak about the right, just, just, and equitable way to live especially when it comes to how we treat one another. And so the rest of the Proverbs will instruct us on what is ethical and right way to live. Actually, five of the Ten Commandments are restated in, in various forms uh, throughout Proverbs. Honor father and mother, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. And so it's, it's uh, ethical living. Skip down to verse 6, we find another statement about the purpose of Proverbs, another cluster of terms related to wisdom. He says, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their, and their riddles. And so the focus there is on understanding wisdom, not just downloading information, but really understanding wisdom. The second line speaks of understanding the words of the wise and their riddles. And if you read through Proverbs, you'll, you'll see that there are, are things that are confusing. You have to figure out what it's saying. You have to really discern what does this mean and how does it apply. And one of the things you find in, in Proverbs, there are, some, there are some Proverbs that look contradictory. And so you have to understand, do you apply this here or do you apply it here? And so uh, some Proverbs are like a riddle. Uh, you can look it up sometime, Proverbs 25.20 Seems like a riddle to me. But the point is that the author of Proverbs has high ambitions for this book. He wants to impart wisdom to us. And as we've seen, for that to happen, we have to be teachable. We have to be eager to hear. I remember when our, our son was here at K-State, he got a degree in kinesiology. And one semester, maybe two semesters, he was taking anatomy and physiology, which is kind of a beast of a course, right? Right. And so when he came home, uh, I like to ask him questions to find out what he, if he, if, what he was learning. And as I listened to him, this is like the first time this ever happened in, in my listening to this child. But, but I was listening to him like, this child actually gets it. 
I mean, he's not just trying to pass a course or make a grade. He actually is eager to learn this stuff. And the reason why he was so teachable and so eager to learn anatomy and physiology is because he wanted to become a physical therapist. He understood this, this material is essential. It's not optional. This is essential for what I want to do the rest of my life. And that's the mindset we need when we come to Proverbs. If you come to Proverbs reluctant or you come to Proverbs out of obligation, you will not learn wisdom. You need to come teachable and hungry and eager to receive what it wants, convinced that Proverbs is telling you something essential. It's not optional for your life. It is essential if you want to live well. And so we'll see next week. Brian's going to teach from chapter 2. We need to seek wisdom as if it were a treasure, because it is. Look at the beneficiaries of Proverbs, those that benefit from Proverbs. Two audiences are mentioned. The first of these is is in verse 4. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Has anybody ever called you simple? Probably didn't seem like a, it probably seemed like an insult, but it's not a, an insult here in Proverbs. If you are simple, you are young and inexperienced, <clears throat> you're kind of undecided on which path you want to take for your life. That term has is, is been translated, simple has been translated uncommitted. And so if you read Proverbs, you'll see there are numerous passages where the simple are are addressed directly. We get to chapter 9, we're going to find that wisdom and folly both address the simple in exactly the same language. They say, if you are simple, turn in here. Wisdom wants you to learn wisdom, folly wants you to learn foolishness. And honestly, that's exactly where some of you are today. Some of you are young, inexperienced. Uh, You may have moved to Manhattan, moved out of your parents' house for the first time. Maybe you came to school, maybe you came to work, but for the first time in your life, you have more freedom than you imagined was possible. And you're at a place where you can decide which path you want to take. Proverbs tells you, we see it there in in verse 4, that if you allow it to do so, it will give you prudence meaning good judgment. And if you have good judgment, you, you can look at a situation, you know, that would be reckless. That would be careless to do that, that thing. It will give you knowledge, meaning an experiential grasp of the truth. And so wisdom is no longer just information, what I know I should do. No, it dwells within you. And from a deep place, you say, yes, this is right. Therefore, this is the path I will take. Proverbs will give you discretion, That's similar to to prudence. Discretion gives you the wisdom to make good decisions. And so those are aspects of wisdom that Proverbs wants to impart. And I think about myself, maybe I'm simple in some ways, but I remember when I went to college, I wish somebody had urged this upon me, had given me a vision and equipped me to look at Proverbs. My first year and a half of college were an absolute disaster. I did so many reckless, hurtful, uh, careless things, and uh, it's taken a long time to recover from, actually. But wisdom wants to give, uh, but Proverbs wants to give wisdom to the simple. 
In addition, Proverbs is also written to the wise. Look at verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. And so we tend to think that if you're wise, you don't need to listen. If you're wise, you know things. And so you're the one that does all the talking. But Proverbs says, no, if you're really wise, you will listen and you will get wiser. If you have understanding, you'll listen, you'll learn so that you can can know how to be guided for everyday life. And so the point is that nobody ever arrives when it comes to wisdom. That's a box that nobody ever checks off. Wisdom, got it. Uh, I'm wise. I can put that on hold. If we ever stop being teachable, we will soon be on the road to becoming foolish. And in the Bible, Solomon illustrates that better than anybody else. As we'll see, there was a time in Solomon's life when his wisdom was legendary. I mean, people traveled, uh, traveled incredible distances just to sit in his presence and listen to his wisdom and see the way he, he, uh, he, he ruled his kingdom with wisdom. But he ended up being very, very foolish. He ended up ignoring and abandoning, abandoning many of the things we find in the the Proverbs of Solomon in chapters 1 through 9. And so Solomon's life is a warning to all of us. And I just have this, I have this burden for my generation, honestly. If you're my generation, I would just plead with you, do not confuse experience for wisdom. Do not confuse experience for wisdom. If you live long enough, you will have experience. You will have so much experience, but experience doesn't necessarily make you wise. Proverbs wants you to keep keep your ears open, be teachable, stay hungry for wisdom until your dying breath. And so this is a challenge for all of us. It happens to preachers, it happens to, to people in every occupation. The Proverbs will give us wisdom to guide us through every season of life. Next, we see the foundation of wisdom, uh, the fear of the Lord. Uh, this verse, verse 7, is, is a key to the entire book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is mentioned 20 times in the book of Proverbs. And every time it's mentioned, you get more nuance in terms of what it means. You get more clarification, more examples of what the person who fears the Lord, uh, what his, life, his or her life looks like. If you didn't see the, catch the message last week, you might catch it on, uh, on the website where we post it. But here's verse 7. We learn that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. As we talked about last week, uh, the fear of the Lord means being rightly related to God as he really is. We don't accept all the caricatures of God. We go directly to Scripture. We learn who God really is, and we relate to him appropriately. And what we find in the Scriptures is that God is, is, uh, God is perfectly, infinitely perfect in all of his attributes, and he is radically for us. And that was demonstrated at the cross of Jesus Christ. I mean, we had this debt that we could not pay, this crushing debt. We had this death penalty. And God himself provided the payment for our debt. 
And so he is radically for us. And so if we fear the Lord, we won't run from a God like that. We will run toward a God like that. And we will stand in hushed awe. And we will be humble and we will be teachable. And so if we relate to God that way, humble and teachable, now we have a foundation for gaining wisdom. Now we are poised to learn wisdom from God himself. Without the fear of the Lord, we really aren't open to what he wants to give us. And we, wouldn't, we will not accept it. And that's the point of the second line. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's the opposite of fearing the Lord. Instead of being teachable before God, fools are antagonistic toward God. And they despise the wisdom and instruction that he offers. And so the bottom line is you cannot be wise if you do not fear the Lord. You can be a lot of things without the fear of the Lord, but being wise is not one of them. It's only when you fear God, you're rightly related to him through faith in Jesus Christ that you're in a position to receive the wisdom that he uniquely gives. Well, finally, we see the high stakes of wisdom. It turns out it's a, it's a matter of life and death. In verses 9 through 19, we have a, a father appealing to his son. And like many of you, uh, this young man's dad and mom had taught him well. And so he wasn't going out into the world ignorant of what the truth was. But the father appeals to him, and uh, he tells him, continue walking in wisdom. And he makes clear the stakes could not be higher. Look at verses 8 and 9. He says, hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. He's basically saying that uh, he's telling his son, I want you to live out what you've heard at home. And if you do, your life will be characterized by victory and honor. Uh, a garland was a wreath that was worn by a victorious king or a general. And a pendant was worn around the neck of someone who had done something exemplary. And so since this dad wants his best for his son, he says, I want you to follow what you've learned at home, continue pursuing it, and you will experience victory and honor in your life. But the father knows very well that once he leaves the house, his son is going to hear a lot of other voices that are urging him to take other paths besides the one that he is, he's, he's learned. And so he gives this advice, this warning. He says, my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us and we will all have one purse. And so the argument is, come, come with us. We're going to ambush people. We're going to take their stuff, and there's no downside. It's just we're going to get rich off of this. But actually, nothing could be further from the truth. Verse 15, my son, do not walk in the way with them. 
Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Verse 17 is interesting. He says, for in vain is a net spread in the sight of a bird. And so I don't know that much about this, but if a bird is watching you set a net, it's not going to fly into it. He says, nobody's that dumb. But, verse 18, these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. They do that very thing. They set a trap and they walk right into it. Verse 19, such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. And so this father wanted his son to understand that whether or not he pursued wisdom was a matter of life and death. And the book of Proverbs wants us to understand the exact same thing. Now, I don't know, as I read through the, the last section of, of, uh, of verses, uh, I don't know if you're, whether or not you're tempted to join a gang and go out on the weekends and commit armed robbery. Uh, I'm not, really. But that doesn't mean that uh, if you lack, if you, that doesn't mean that it's not dangerous if you don't pursue wisdom. Because there are many other Proverbs that say that if we deviate from wisdom, in any area of our lives, we are walking in a very dangerous way. For example, again, maybe I said this three times already, but I would urge you to read Proverbs 1 through 9 over the next couple of weeks. And if you do, you will see that far and away, the do- far and away, the dominant thing on this father's mind for his son is that he avoids sexual sins. You find it in chapter 2. It's all of chapter 5, it's half of chapter 6, and it's all of chapter 7. He's saying, avoid sexual sins, especially adultery. And he says over and over how dangerous it is. In chapter 2, he says, it will lead to death, not life. Chapter 5, he says, the iniquity, your iniquities will ensnare you. He says in, verse, in chapter 6, that he will destroy himself. Chapter 7, he says, he will be like an ox led to the slaughter. And so whether or not this son pursues wisdom in relation to his sexuality was a matter of life or death. Nowhere is our our fallenness more evident than when it comes to our sexuality. And so in every area of wisdom, it's a matter of life and death whether we follow. Will this boy seek wisdom wholeheartedly or not? Will you and I seek wisdom wholeheartedly or not? You know, some of you know firsthand, K-State has this, they've got this program. I've been fascinated with it for years. And uh, it's called First Book. Some of you all aware of that? So incoming freshmen are all encouraged to read the exact same book. If you go to the website... They tell you that by reading this book together and discussing it, uh, developing community, uh, developing socially, academically, but they want to help you make the transition from high school to college, okay? And uh, the book, the selection for this, this year is The Unthinkable. The subtitle is Who Survives When Disaster Strikes and Why? That sounds like a great book. Sounds fascinating. It sounds profitable. 
Maybe you know where this is going. But I also have a book selection for you, okay? I would also like to urge you to read a book that will help you make the transition from high school to college or from your 20s to your 30s or from your 60s to your 70s. This is relevant for every season of life. It's the book of Proverbs. It, it wants to give you wisdom. It wants to educate you. It wants to keep you from falling into the traps that you create for yourself. It wants to make you wise. It was written for people just like you, people just like me. In those first nine chapters, you see scenario after scenario that are so true to life. So maybe you aren't looking for an assignment, but I plead with you, make it your purpose. Make it your ambition to seek wisdom wholeheartedly. God actually gives wisdom to everyone who wants it. And God knows whether or not you want wisdom by whether or not you pursue it with all your heart. God, we pray that you would give us this heart. We pray, God, that we would not uh, be deaf to, to what this, this amazing chapter is saying in Proverbs 1. God, we want to be wise. And God, we want it to be more than just a, an idea or a thought or a fleeting desire. We want it to be the passion of our hearts because we want to fear you. We want to be rightly related to you and receive from you everything you have for us. And so, God, may we as individuals, as a community, uh, love wisdom. May we seek wisdom. God, surprise us with your grace this week. Remind us at every turn that you are with us, you're for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.